Hello everyone, it's Wednesday, February 27th, and welcome to Pi Cubed, the podcast about science, technology, and anything else we find interesting. I'm your host, Francesco Buziello. Joining me today, as usual, is Salman Siddiqui. Hi Salman, how are you? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, this is our third podcast, so it will definitely be in our top five of the best podcasts, at least for two more weeks. Um, right, before we get to the science and the technology, uh, let's talk a bit about uh, our website, we have I bought a domain. We have a website now. It's a, it's a blog. What um, is it called? It is piecubed.co.uk. That is p i e c u b e d dot c o dot uk. You should visit us. Uh, have a comment on. Uh, we have a couple of articles, and we have links to our Twitter, to our Facebook, and to our YouTube. And don't forget to follow and like us. Yeah, and uh, if you have any any feedback, any any ideas, anything you want us to do, talk about, let us know. Uh, we always appreciate. Uh, feedback good bad but but like please try to keep it clean yeah well not necessarily clean just constructive telling us to you know to f off will not be particularly useful but if <laughs> if you really want to at least you know we know that we we touched the nerve so that's not so bad it'll be uh, nice to hear from from the few listeners we have at the moment yeah that'd be cool that'd be really cool uh, we we do enjoy interacting with our fan. I wouldn't call them fans I would just call them people who listen to us and they're still evaluating what we do but you know, soon enough will be fans because what we do is awesome. Uh, especially, uh, we have another video up on YouTube. You should check it out. It's about how we're all going to die, which is a topic that people seem to like a lot. Very optimistic. Yeah, we're all going to die. Uh, well, we are all going to die, but you know, what we're saying is that we're all going to die. Even I'm going to die. We're all going to die, man. It's you know, even that a bit like there's this, there's two certainties in life: is death and taxes. I I didn't know you're such a player hater. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to our first story this week, uh, which is that uh, uh, the Obama administration is moving towards uh, releasing to the public all the publicly funded uh, research that has been done in the USA. Well, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it's the way it should be. Yeah, which is nice because, uh, for example, NASA or the Rangers or all the other um, pub- public employees, all everything they do is in the public domain. So you know, you can you can. You can print off your own NASA pictures because they're in the public domain. So it's nice that research which is paid by the taxpayers in the USA will be available to the taxpayer, which is full circle. Uh, especially because people like us who try to always to find reliable sources for the things they, they talk about, uh, most of the time they're behind paywalls and uh, yeah. that's annoying. Uh, well, what's your opinion on 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 having um, free access to... Uh, to um, scientific journals you mean in general apart from all of them yeah like you know um, it's not easy for for the average person on the street to sort of get access to say nature for example but um, Uh, yeah I mean I understand that there are costs involved it would be nice if you know if it was easier (coughs) to to get to them but uh, I don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon. And, with, uh, and some of these journals, they're uh, are they very, um, they're very elitist as well. Yeah, they. I guess so. Yeah. It's like some of them only allow access to only like a few very limited number of of uh, world institutions, which kind of which kind of restrict a whole host of other institutions from accessing uh, their research and it's just basically keeping knowledge within a tight circle which is really shouldn't be the point of science it shouldn't no. be about uh, it's all about collaboration finding right? new knowledge and keeping it it should be about finding knowledge and sharing it and making the world a better place yeah that's, that's our idea of science so we're, we're glad that the Obama administration is doing this and hopefully uh, other countries will follow suit the, what's, the, what's the situation in this country do you know I have no idea uh, as as you know, as, no, I have no idea. Do you have any idea? Um, well, ever since I ceased being a student, um, any time I've I have tried to access articles online, um, I can only get as far as the abstract. So probably that, not then. But that's using um the same uh sources that I was as a student. But so uh, same. okay, yeah. But I mean, perhaps there are a few public. Um, the ones out there, but I don't know if you, if you there's anyone out there listening who knows. Uh, yeah. um, 
please let us know let us know yeah well I may, they might you might be able to do it through a public library they might have access to those kind of databases but if you do know let us know uh, you're always looking for more knowledge alright uh, our next story is something which I, I just found actually just yesterday and it is to me is, uh, is really fascinating is that you know how uh, bees right and in this case bumblebees they, they pollinate flowers right they get the nectar and so on and apparently one of the ways in which they interact with flowers is via electrical fields that is uh, flowers have an electrical field generated at random about 100 volts and the depending on the flower of course and the bumblebees can detect this electrical field which means that they can uh, they can decipher you know what, what shape the flower is and also even if, even also if a bee had already has already been there before so they really know if it's it's already been pollinated because every time a bee lands on a flower the charge goes down so the bees can tell so how do they actually uh, generate this this electric this field? this that I have no idea uh, I, I, what basically happens is that there is an electrophil field uh, on top of the flower which makes the petals negative. So what actually happens is with bees, you know, they have the hairy, right? That's so are they, they like, say, ionized surfaces? I don't know if they're ionized, but they're, they're negatively charged. Okay. And what happens is that uh, when the bee gets the flower, and this has been known for a while, uh, the, the pollen just basically jumps across from the flower to the bee uh, without needing the bee to actually touch the flower because of the of the charge on the on the pollen and on the on the bee. Get captured by the hair without even actually having to be in contact with the pollen, which is pretty cool. But now a researcher has found that bees can tell uh, differences between flowers just because they generate a different electrical field, which is which is pretty cool. So they they join the ranks of uh, many other animals which have uh, disability, like sharks and a species of dolphin and a few other. And the platypus, platypuses can uh, can uh, feel electrical fields. Uh, but the bees, bumblebees, are the first insect that we know of that use this. So, so you're saying every flower has its own unique electrical field that sort of identifies it. Yeah, and, and, and apparently there are some flowers that they um, they can cheat, like they, they they fool bees into thinking that they have to be pollinated again, because obviously the more bees you have, the, the better chances, right? And so uh, apparently they think that like poppies or other. <laughs> flowers they they fool the bees into thinking that you know they're they're, they're fresh when Nature's they're not cheaters yeah they're che- well yeah evolution yeah do you think um th- that that was humans possibly have the same kind of abilities just but just it, not able to uh it, the comments to these stories are oh I wish humans as humans we had like we could read electrical fields but as humans I can talk into this microphone and you can listen to this <laughs> in a different country and listen to me I think that's a much cooler power than reading electrical fields so you know if I wrote this down you could read it and because of the symbols that we have invented you can understand what it says that's just much better than being able to see but of course, fields of course uh, we're going by the same uh scientific principles um, that if all those animals do have a field and and also um, fl- um, plants and flowers humans also uh, must uh, carry their own electric field around them maybe uh, okay. but probably not it, it's it's I'm not entirely sure so I, I'm not, I don't want to commit either way but uh, the, the these electrical fields around flowers are quite small they're not you know we're not talking about megavolts. I don't know. I'm no expert. It's, it's like not like you know. We, we, we like you're gonna get shocked if you touch a flower. The potential difference is very, course, very, very yeah. small. Uh, so I, I, I don't think there'll be a problem. Well, we do have electrical um, currents running through us, right? That's how well, yeah, our well, neurons work and uh, no, yeah, the, the heart works, electrical yeah. impulses. Yeah, sure. Uh, maybe, maybe we do. Maybe that's how some animals you know recognize other animals, but we don't have that ability. But no. we have the ability to talk to each other, which I think is much better. Language is a much, <laughs> much better ability. Yeah. Definitely. Well, it, well, that well, that's intelligence, no? Yeah. Uh, that is probably the best ability of like any well, mammal. Not just, not just intelligence. Animal. Is is just. Uh, I can't remember what, what the word for it is. Is that we are, we are we are aware that we exist. Uh, which is 
no other animal is as far as we know we're going into deep philosophy here well, but no I mean that's, that's, that's the big difference between humans and other animals is that what we, about dolphins well we don't know but uh, you know I, I am Francesco you are someone we have identities we, we think things we thinking and empathizing is, is something which is deeply human so, so that you know that that's what makes us different <coughs> alright uh, so that was bees uh, so let's move on talk about something else and Salman uh, you've been doing something really cool with science and so tell me more about what you're doing well yeah um, uh, this evening there's uh, there's going to be some some solar a- activity at about at about eight thirty nine ish um, UK time GMT yeah oh GMT well by the time you hear this it'll probably be too late but okay um, still uh, what I've been working on is is a planetary radio astronomy project um, for a school okay. So, w- what kind of project? So, what, what do you do? Do you just look at stars in the telescope, or? Well, it's well, it's radio astronomy, and it's um, and it's a project set up by NASA, um, uh, and it's like uh, educational and and uh, and a co-collaborational uh, project to get people involved in a field of astronomy. Not many people outside of the higher echelons of of the physics really do get involved with okay so it's so it's a project for school children right so you're helping out amateurs and school children yeah okay so so it's what, what do you mean collaborative so lots of people doing the same thing or there are lots of these um um uh there are lots of these radio uh telescopes around the world that are set up and they're all uh, collecting information, um, mostly coming from from Jupiter and uh, and the Sun. And so you built a radio telescope, basically. Yep. So how, how does how is just a big antenna? How does it work? Fundamentally, yeah, it's just a big antenna, and then um, um, I also had to had to build uh, the receiver from scratch as well. Okay, so you have to solder stuff together. Yeah, um, basically just a set of um, a set of bandpass filters I and mean, amps, and it works in much the same way as uh, normal radio does. But it's um, but it's working at twenty point one megahertz. Megahertz or megahertz? Yeah. All right. And why that particular frequency? Um, because it's um, it's a very low energy frequency, and it's not very much used um, here. Um, uh, uh, on Earth, um, I- in terms of, um, uh, are you le- are you less likely to to pick up interference so, so, so from like the other frequency bands are all filled up by yeah, well, they're all taken by say TV and radio um, phones and, and so so that's cool. So basically, you're collecting data from uh, from say Jupiter from and Jupiter. the Sun. Yeah. Yes. So why does Jupiter have? Uh, I mean, what are you collecting? Like. Why does why are the electromagnetic waves coming from Jupiter? I mean, it's not a star. Well, um, well, uh, Jupiter has a very strong uh, gravitational field. Um, obviously, being such a uh, big planet, being such a large uh, size, yeah, um, gas giant, yeah, and um, and so what is known is that there's is that there's an iron belt uh, around the planet. Okay, and so when its closest moon. Um, Io, Io, yep, that's right. Um, orbits around it. Uh, this um, th- uh, this actually causes uh, um, um, an electrical right? current to f- um, um to flow through um, what the ions. Which so from is, from Jupiter to the Moon. Yep, which is w- which then creates um, a plasma wave, and okay. it's this uh, plasma wave which which sends uh, electromagnetic th- waves. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and then that is what we're basically picking up here on Earth. I guess that's why we can you know we can read it from this far because, and with a small uh, radio telescope because it must be a lot of energy. Because Io yeah. is pretty big. I mean, it's not big as big as the Earth, but yeah. still, it's big. And Jupiter is huge, huge, yep. huge. Is actually an understatement. So the amount of energy must be there must be incredible. Yeah. So um. So then what happens is. 
is that all these small um, uh, telescopes around the world they all uh, collect in information which then goes into the public uh, domain which um, which scientists and other astronomers can then freely access to to, to do their own research with Okay, so but basically anyone can set this up and do it in the backyard right yep that's right you just need um, the space to be able to uh, uh, to build the a antenna and you need uh, um, a computer to be able to log the data yeah, so uh, what, what is it like, what is it the uh, official name of the project where can people find more information about this well if you look on the internet under uh, under NASA radio Jove Jove, uh, J-O-V-E, right? J-O-V-E, that's right. It's not a name for Jupiter. Uh, and people can just look online and they have all the blueprints and everything you need to do. To be yep, and, um, and you can basically construct everything um, uh, from what you can find at, say, Maplins or any other hardware store. And, um, yeah, spares. Yeah, if, if you're in the USA. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, um, all you need is a bit of basic um, scientific and, say... Um, and say electrical uh, know-how, and and it's and it's not not too difficult. It might be a fun project to do with your kids. Maybe you just have them learn about electrical circuits, soldering well, stuff it, together. Yeah, sure. Well, it is aimed at aimed at educating school children. Or even if you're a teacher, then just yeah. have your school have as a class project builder. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, I think it's it's pretty cool. Idea. A lot of our colleges are also doing it, and and I know there are a lot of amateur astronomers who are doing it just just because people are into astronomy out there excellent alright well uh, let us know someone how is it, how we're going and uh, you know if you discover anything weird about Jupiter in the next few weeks when well you're if I find it. aliens you'll hear about it first here excellent okay alright moving on to our next subject uh, let's talk about technology now because we've talked about science for a bit now uh, Google Glass what are, what's, a, what's a Google Glass uh, someone is it a glass where I can search stuff on the internet isn't it one of those um, uh, glasses that you wear and they look like scouters from uh, Dragon Ball Z? I guess they do. Uh, yeah, they, they, they're basically... Um, they're like an overlay for your glasses. It's actually a, just a tiny screen to the top right of, of yeah. your glasses, of your vision, uh, which can be used as a camera in it and a screen, a small screen, but because it's so close to your eye, then you can actually see it. Can I see uh, your power levels? I'm sure that that someone will figure out a way to actually do that and develop an application for it. I think it's an Android-based. Yeah, I think it connects to your phone, right? And well, basically, uh, it, it is pretty cool. It basically you can you know use it to uh, say uh, ask glasses, can I where's the nearest library? And it will show you Google Maps and indications as you're walking right down in front the street. Of you, yeah. in front of you, just say okay, keep going straight, then turn left here. Or you can use it to record video, which uh, Google made a there's a video on YouTube called uh, "What It Feels Like." I think uh, yeah, what, it, what it feels like to wear Google glasses. It looks really cool, doesn't it? It looks really cool, but it's a bunch of people doing really cool things, which you don't really jumping need the, out of a plane. You, and you don't <laughs> really need the glasses to do those kinds of things. Uh, but I guess if you were to buy one now, because I think they're one thousand five hundred dollars, fifteen hundred dollars. So I guess if you actually were able to afford those glasses, then you would be able to afford all the cool stuff that they do in the video. And they are only open to uh, developers at the moment. I think they're open to developers and enthusiasts. Enthusiasts. It's okay. like a beta test. Uh, or beta, beta test. Beta test. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be cool to just walk around and like you see everything the way Terminator sees, where, where you've got in information bubbles popping up o over people's heads? and. But th uh, th the fact is that uh, one... Uh, Thing which some people are talking about, but not really because because this thing is so cool. It, I'm a bit concerned about privacy, right? Because you see someone walking around with one of these glasses on because they're recognizable. Because they could they have be this taking a picture. Screen. They could be taking a video. They could be taking oh, yeah. a picture. Which means that anyone could. Because it, the difference is that you know if someone is filming something with a camera or with your phone, they have it out in front of them, so you can see. Usually, they say 99% of the time, you know if someone is filming. With Google Glasses, you don't really know if they're filming you or not, so I, I I'm not sure. We already have things like that, anyway. But and I mean, living here in London, we have the most um, uh, we have the most CCTV cameras of anywhere in the world. Fourteen million cameras in the UK. Yeah, uh, CCTV cameras. I, I don't know. Uh, um, Do we have any more privacy? I mean, public. 
Well, I think you do have to. The fact is that most people are not going to watch the video that CCTV cameras take, right? Sure. Because they're close circuit. But if someone is posting on YouTube or on the Google Plus the day and you just happen to be doing something silly, I don't know. But uh, it's an interesting idea. I don't know how well it will work because uh, at the moment they're really expensive. And I don't know. I mean, you, you still have to wear glasses. People who don't wear glasses, I guess they're going to go all hipster again and just wear fake glasses with the. <laughs> But this time with a tiny screen at the top, right? But we'll see. Uh, I'm sure Google will find very interesting ways to use them. That's a pretty good innovation. So what do you think? Would, would you buy some if they were available? Anyway, I mean, if, if you had the money and they were reasonably priced, then you could if buy them. If they were reasonably priced, yeah. I mean, uh, as someone who's uh, grown up watching uh, uh, Dragon Ball Z uh, as a kid, I mean, wearing something like that just come straight out of the cartoons and and even like other sci-fi films so um, uh, so they look um, cool to to the like inner geek in me but uh, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm, not not, so, I'm not so sure I mean you, you don't wear glasses though see so you, you, you could wear them without glasses they have just a frame with the with the screen on it uh, but what disappointed me is that at the beginning they were talking about projecting the image all over the, the, the piece of glass the glass you wear yeah. But now it's just a small screen that's upright, so that's a bit of a disappointment. Uh, but we'll see how well they work. Cause, you know, if these glasses would only work if you have a really good connection, yeah, right, to the internet, and that connection would be for your phone. So in some places, you know, say San Francisco or something, where you have a really good 4G connection, I'm sure that will work great. In other cities or in the middle of nowhere, if if you know if you ask something to Google, say Google search for this. And then it takes It'll five be minutes. useless, yeah. And then, then you could have taken out your phone and done on your phone. So it, it depends what information is going to be oh displayed um, to make uh, uh, to how useful it will ac- actually be. Right. Yeah, uh, and, and and the fact is that now Google is moving towards a single answer search. Like you ask them a question vocally, and they give you one answer or similar answers. Uh, for example, there's, a, there's an app for Android and an app for iPhone where you can just talking to your phone and say I'm hungry or whatever and it will give you uh, results and Google Glass it will be uh, it will give you even less results because you, obviously you're not going to open web pages on it but we'll see I, I, by the time they'll come out for the public they might be quite different and it definitely will take more than a year what kind of information would you like to see displayed as you're walking say well I'm going to buy some Google stock so hopefully advertisements because <laughs> uh, that, that's that's the thing, right? Google might you know you might think Google is a is a search company or a phone company, but Google is an advertising company. They make the money from advertisements, right? So if if they're gonna sell this thing, they're probably gonna sell them at, at a loss, uh, so that people buy them. And then what's gonna happen? They're gonna tailor advertisements to what you're looking at. Do you really want to be seeing advertisements constantly? I don't know if it'll be constantly. If it was constantly, uh, they probably wouldn't. No one would buy them. But whenever you, I'm sure there the, the hel- will be, you know, uh, uh, sponsored results on Google searches okay. and things like that. Uh, or maybe you're looking at something. Google's like, oh, you're looking at this product. Why don't you go to Amazon and buy it? <laughs> it's, it, it just it blurs the line between uh, me and what advertisers know about me even even more. And I'm not sure I like that. But we'll see. We we can't really comment right now until they're out there and people are using them. Um, Right, we'll keep you updated. Let's uh, see what what cool innovations they bring out for it. Yeah, I mean it's cool that they're actually making them because Google and lots of companies they make lots of uh, of videos and uh, prototypes of things that never come out. Uh, like you know, like the the Apple um, Watch, which apparently is coming out at some point in the future. It might just be a prototype, but it might be something real. Uh, but it's cool that Google is actually doing it, and we'll see how it will impact uh, humanity. If it if it sells lots, it might, because everyone's just constantly watching everyone else. Or it might impact like the like say uh, the Chromebook did. Oh uh, well, yeah, <laughs> the Chromebook did not do so well. Well, it, it did better than some other things, but uh, which 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 we're gonna follow into the next story just quickly. That Google is uh, is selling a a really expensive Chromebook. I think it's one thousand three hundred dollars for a Chromebook. I think it's really powerful, but spending that much money for a, a computer that only runs Chrome, 
I don't know. It's a bit of a stretch, yeah. Uh, sure, there's lots of software now that works in Chrome, but uh, they're just at the same price as a MacBook Air, and or you know a very very good uh, Windows Ultrabook. So I'm not too convinced. Yeah, I'm not sure how much they're gonna get. Uh, I think I think the the original uh, Chromebooks were were going for the same kind of netbook market. Weren't yeah, they, they were really they're really cheap. Yeah, and uh, flimsy and. Uh, they, they, they basically did, uh, I guess they looked at the, how much how many MacBook Airs Apple is selling and they just tried to go after the same market uh, it's quite I, I, I guess, to do that I guess you know, if you're an executive or something and all your work you do is in Google Docs it makes sense if you're uh, a professional whose work you know these are high end readers for gen- I guess professionals in general but all people who have money uh, if you do anything, any kind of work which is a bit more involved and requires more specific software, it's just why would you buy it? It's funny. Um, looking, uh, I'm at Google. How do you see them? Are they more of a of a following company or are they more of an innovating company? Because they've been doing a lot of both. Well, I think any big company will do both, right? I mean, Apple. We're not the first to bring MP3 players to the market. No. But they were the ones who figured it out and managed to sell. Advertised it well, yeah. Well, what 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 really user friendly? It was the wheel. The yeah. iPod wheel is what sold the iPod, right? Sure. Because it just it just looked cool, and it just looked uh, very fast, which was very fast. Uh, so I think companies they have to do a bit of both. Uh, I think Google has done both. I think they're gonna. I mean, Android was a like for example, Microsoft has always historically been a following company. Well, not, not necessarily. They they've they've introduced their own things. Yeah, while. but I mean, kind of, the, all their innovations haven't. They've all been inspired, or they've been done by someone else first. Windows, or but or we're going into the um, games market, but mm. you know. Well, but many innovations that these companies, you know, Google invented this, or Apple did that, or whatever. They usually they are very small startups. They get capital to do something completely insane, yeah. and then they get bought by a bigger company, right? A- Apple, Apple bought them like Siri. It's not an Apple product; it was someone else's product that, sure? that Apple bought. Uh, so, well, yeah, well, this industry, unlike say mountain climbing, it's not who gets there first, but who stays at the top longest. Well, yeah, you need innovation, and you also need to do it well. Like, take the the smartphone market, right? It did not exist before the first iPhone, so that 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 was a point where. Uh, Apple was an innovator, uh, but of course, smartphones already existed, but they kind of reinvented it, right? With the touch well, and yeah. the they way sucked it worked. Before that as well. Hmm? Well, um, yeah. Well, they they completely revolutionized the way they worked, and now everybody else tried to imitate. What, I mean, the, what, what the iPhone there was did. A, there was a lawsuit between uh, Samsung and Apple. There was, well, <laughs> one of many. Yeah, which is always funny when these companies sue each other because they're suing different divisions of each company and then you have at the same time you have other divisions of the same company collaborating like you know Samsung giving chips to Apple to put in the, in the phone and stuff LED screens yeah uh, and what ha- there was a, a design doc from uh, one of the Samsung designer which was uh, a, PowerPoint, a PowerPoint presentation actually uh, which was like how do we you know, how do we build a smartphone the first smartphone this was 2007 and the the solution that the designer gave was that copy the iPhone, <laughs> and that's why the first Galaxy looked exactly like the iPhone, like the icons and like the way the, the shape of it. It was exactly the same because people just went just copied it. Um, so, innovation is like a complex thing. Right uh, now, let's uh, let's move on to another technological subject. Um, let's talk about three D printing, or more specifically, uh, a three D pen. So, tell me more about this 3D pen, Salman. Well, if you haven't had a look at it, go check it out online or on uh, YouTube. Um, uh, you've always um, thought of a pen as being something that you use on a piece of paper and and you can draw 2D images with it. But this 3D pen, I can't remember who makes it. Um, what's, uh, it, 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 it it's a Kickstarter project. Yeah. It's but, a still a... Uh, but you can actually physically draw 3D objects in the air. It just, it just basically extrudes, uh, I don't know if it's plastic or something. Other I'm not of, sure what yeah, it's it must extruding. Be kind of polymer, right? But yeah, you can basically draw draw our structures off yeah, a table. They, they, and were, they, were, they were showing like someone made an Eiffel Tower with the, the yeah. pen. Yeah, I mean like it comes out 
like it comes out soft um, and stringy you can see but then it gets hard yeah hard so so it's like it's, I guess it's, it's the next step of 3D printing which is you know 3D free drawing well they're saying uh, uh, what 3D printing has been around for quite a while but it's only just starting to get feasible in terms yeah, of there's, um, there's lot price there's, and what, what are those guys called I think um, there's a company which they've been making open source uh, uh, printers 3D printers for a while now they were a small project yeah. I can't remember the name of them Probably there are a few them. different types of yeah now there's, 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 there's well. loads like yeah. if you go to any uh, if you go to a maker fair or if you go to all these you know tech uh, events there's so many more companies just providing new ways to print stuff 3D printing stuff you know there's people who have like a polymer uh, bath and they use a laser to print uh, in in the in the bath. Or you have people who you know, ex- the standard classic 3D printing, which is to extrude uh, basically a string of polymer and just build it layer by layer. And Some of them there's there's um, there's there's a powder, and I mean by using uh, lasers, uh, I mean it sets it in place. Yeah, there's, there's loads of different things and. D- 3D printers used to be in the domain only of like you know architects or designers where you, you need to prototype something quickly and you use a 3D printer and it used to be incredibly expensive and they still are incredibly expensive professional yeah. ones but now it's it's uh, it's going into the hands of the consumers which is it's quite an interesting Imagine development the possibilities you know I mean, like, you're like oh I need a clip for this thing I bought I'm just going to print it exactly design or, and print it or I broke a part of my watch or something like that or uh, say, or say you know, you're, you're making uh, I don't know you anything right you're making a robot or something and you need a, a plastic part they just make it imagine what ikea could do with that or if you just print out uh furniture print out furniture or you know like like you always end up with with a missing screw or or, or something at, at the end what if you could just get those inserts that they give yeah. you can just print them off i i don't know uh what is the structural uh strength of these components that you make with polymer oops um I dropped my pen. I got so excited about printing. Uh, so maybe you know you won't be able to like build structural elements with it quite yet. Well, I've actually tried three um, uh, D printers a few years back. You have? Yeah. Um, well, it was called. Well, it was called rapid prototyping back then, and um, and uh, and the polymer it was using was quite stiff. But it did seem uh, fragile. That if you, that if it's uh, a brittle, quite brittle. That, yeah, that if I um, mean dropped it, it, it would crack it would shatter, or a yeah. chip. So um, mm. I'm I'm sure that 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 they'll work on on that side of things. But uh, I guess that that just depends on what polymer uh, you're using. Yeah, because uh, people saying, oh, one day you'll be able to 3D print a car. But <laughs> there, there are some components in a car, like yeah, you know, the engine block and. Uh, Things that have very high heat in contact with them. You don't you want an engine made out of um, plastic. plastic. Yeah, I mean, even if it's like really good composite plastics and things like that, I don't know if you could build a whole engine out of composites. You don't need yet. to be an engineer to figure that one yeah, out. So he's, and maybe one day you'll be able to be like uh, print metal. Maybe someone will figure out how to you know how to do that. <laughs> uh, but but the thing is that printing metal, then the metal will not have the same characteristic as something which is forged or cast. Well, ceramics could be done. Ceramics could be done, yeah. yeah. So, in theory, if someone could figure out ceramics, which can, can withstand heat and the right pressure, uh, which, I mean, say, take the new Boeing plane, which not doing so well right now, the 787, but it's mostly made of ceramics. Uh, composites. Composites, yeah. yeah. Not ceramics, of course, uh, composites. Um, so, it's a, it's a ceramic and a polymer composite. Wouldn't it be cool to be able to print off your own composite parts? I think that, 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 that that's yeah. what you will do. I mean, it, it like will... say, um, if you're a bicycle enthusiast and you need an and and a parts chipped or up yeah. cracked, yeah. you can and you have the machine just it's gonna weave the the fibers for you. Yeah, and then it's gonna print around the, the polymer. And yeah, just extrude everything. Yeah, that would be that would be really cool. I don't think we're there quite yet, but the fact that they're in the hands of creative people who are not able to afford, even just you know kids who they make the projects they have for fun and they just use 3D printers how do you think that that could possibly impact manufacturing around the world the 3D printing Uh, again it depends Uh, I think that if like 
little small gadgets that have no real use apart from like you know one-off uses like a pineapple cutter or something like that those things will go away because someone will make an open source version of it yeah. put it online on Thingiverse or whatever other uh, repository and you're just going to be able to print your plastic gadgets can you imagine mobile phones like um, you'll be able to perhaps just go and buy the the insides and just print out the outside and just yeah so it was everybody can have their own customized shell I still I, I, I want Nokia doing something along those lines I remember they? yeah they were um, uh, uh, I, I can't remember what the what, what, what the project was called but um, uh, they were gonna or at least they were proposing to have something where, where they were gonna sell um uh, the just, drawings, just, just the inside. Um, yeah, for, for for you to go and and uh, print off yourself. Okay, but um, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to look that up next week. Yeah, and do that, and we'll let our listeners know. But so yeah, three D printing it's, it's it's it is the future. Uh, just some you can, you can do so many things so much quicker than you you were able to do. Um, so, but I, it does take it. Um, it, uh, but but it does take quite a bit of time. To print, yeah. Well, yeah, it takes time. It, they're not very fast at the moment, but things will get faster. Things will get more efficient. Now that there is, now that there is a market for it, <laughs> and people are realizing there's a huge market for it, and people, if you could buy like a 3D printer for the same price of a normal printer, or maybe a bit more, uh, most people have a 3D printer. I mean, if you could print, I, mean, I would have, I would have a 3D printer if it was a few hundred pounds. <laughs> I think I remember a small. Um, uh, object would take roughly three to five hours to print. I think they're a bit faster now than uh, maybe they, they used Th to this be. was at least five or six years ago. But uh, of course, uh, in terms of uh, you know specific specific components like high tolerance components or components that have to withstand particular kinds of forces or pressures or uh, particular applications which need to be very precise and very uh, very particular characteristics in terms of you know the material. Then we're not there yet, and probably won't get there yet, because it'd probably be cheaper to still make them mass produced, but very well. Uh, I don't think you're gonna you're gonna see a 3D printed, you know, engine or jet engine. Definitely not. <laughs> uh, I mean, to each blade on a on jet engine costs ten thousand pounds. You wouldn't want to fly in one of them either. No, you won't fly. You're, you're talking about very very small tolerances and very very. Uh, Complex composite and metal material. I don't. Do, I, I don't think they'll pass any of the safety standards. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, but you could build your own plane. Uh, bits of it at least with, uh, with the stuff. Mm. But, uh, again, I would advise against using. Oh, Boeing knows all about that. <laughs> I would advise using just you know straight up plastic to build a plane. But you know to build a dashboard of your homemade plane, sure. Instead of making out of wood. On a, on a slight tangent from that. Do you know what are the problems with the current 787 um, don't, uh, they're having to uh, ground a few of their planes? I, I, it was a while ago, so I can't really remember. Was it something to do with cracking or...? I, that, was that not with the A380 wings? They, well, they, they found cracks once, on there. Right? Well, it happened once at the... Um, and I know with the 787 it was to do with the, with the electrics and oh, right. uh, the power plant. That's not good. Nah. That's a, that's a uh, you you know maybe they they gave uh they gave the electrics due to an Alfa Romeo engineer and they really messed it up. And <laughs> it just the car looks really pretty, but it just doesn't start. Well, the windows don't go down. Windows don't go down, but it looks really cool. And it's a really good car, apart from the fact that it always breaks down. Uh, but we should look into that this uh, seven eight seven stuff and maybe talk about it a bit more next week. Alright, and now let's talk about the big uh, tech uh, video game news from last week, which is the Sony, as predicted, announced the PlayStation 4. Oh, wow. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for so long. What did it look like? This is this is, this is is the story that we've been we talked about every single time we had this podcast, so we have to talk about it this week, and then we never talk about it again until, <laughs> until it comes out, and then we talk about it all the time. It was it was quite an interesting uh, press conference. You watched it live, right? Yeah, I was I was watching it um, and uh, waiting for the build up, waiting for the build up, and then about halfway through, I realized they're not going to show what it looks like. But you know that's fair enough because uh, 
again, you know, they have time. They might still be changing how it looks outside. What I think is they didn't want to give too much away. They're going to wait to see what Microsoft does. And then they're going to say, oh, look, but we've got this and this to to be better than you. But but the way it's going, they it just looks like a very, very powerful computer. No, I, I, I was actually, I was pretty impressed. Um, compared, I remember watching um, the PlayStation 3 announcement which was a bit of a disaster because <laughs> they came out like oh it's $600 and the whole room went quiet um, no, yeah this time there was no price tag there was no price tag there was no release the, 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 date no release date well they said this year yeah so I guess I'm guessing you know October, November before well in time for Christmas definitely, definitely yeah definitely sure. come out but what was interesting is that the a few things one of it that they they're really going after the social stuff which yeah. was a thing that they really messed up with the PlayStation 3. It was difficult to 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 play with your friends. It was difficult to talk to your friends because there was no headset bundle together. Did you ever together. try the online features for the PlayStation 3? A couple online of Online gaming. Uh, uh, my it friends, like my friends who play video games, who I play video games with, you have either the Xbox or both. It was free, um, wasn't it? It was free, but it just it was just more difficult to get games going. The Xbox did it really well. You could just be in any game and just. You know, open up the menu and click a button and invite a friend and, yep. the, and the other friend could click a button say yes and the Xbox could say please put in the CD you you, you did and it worked on PlayStation 3 it was it was a lot more complex than that it was a bit of a pain in the ass um, so they're really going after the social stuff they have like extra chips just for video processing which means that you can share videos immediately afterwards yeah their big uh, feature is the share button on their the, controller yeah, the, no more select and start buttons on the controller it's uh, I think it's an options button which yeah. makes sense because the start button really is an options yeah, button it's a little redundant and the other one is a share button which you can click to you know uh, and uh, you can share your videos on Facebook and, and so on or, or live stream on Twitch or you know, Ustream Ustream you yeah you can stream your your, your game and stuff which is cool I mean it's not really what I'm looking forward to it but the fact that they're putting so much emphasis uh, to it means that the things that I am interested about which is ease of use and ease of play with friends what do they say that, 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 that if you can't figure out how to do a certain level you just click on the share button and someone takes over from oh, yeah, you yeah, uh, we'll get to it in a minute uh, but you can, you can have your friends play your game with their controller in a different yeah. country even yeah um, and uh, and the stuff about instant instant on where you just if if you want to play a game online you just click it and it will come and and everything's based on the cloud. Yeah. This comes in um, all together from the fact that Sony bought a company called Gaikai last year, which they were a company which were developing uh, streaming gaming. That is, you have just a streaming box, yep. uh, which has no power in it apart from the fact that it streams from the internet, and then your game is actually being run on a on a cloud machine they a machine invested in the cloud. a lot into this they paid a billion for it yeah it's a billion dollars uh, they well they kind of figured that they that, that they had to go all in for it yeah. uh, otherwise it just wouldn't work so i'm, I'm sure that you'll be able to play like uh, games instant instantaneously because you just be able to basically stream the game footage from the sony servers and, and you're th playing them on the server you're playing on the server and you get it streamed and if they can get the latency down and all those things that you know make for a good experience, then that would be really cool. And then in the background, it will start downloading your game. And then when it's loading up your game, you can start playing it on your own machine seamlessly, which is cool. And then it has uh, a feature of uh, a standby feature, which means that you can put your machine in standby and then turn it on, and a second later you can play your game, which is also quite cool. Uh, what else was there? Uh, they showed a bunch of stuff. They showed so a bunch of videos. Yeah, well, let's try and keep keep this short. But um, but what do you think of the architecture? Uh, they they brought out this guy called Mark Cerny, who's the lead uh, designer. Who I think he made Earthworm Jim, which is yeah. a really good game. And he he basically it was kind of a bit of a of a mea culpa from Sony, uh, because the cell processor in the PS3 was was completely insane, right? It was a it was a a processor with I think seven or eight cores. The emotion engine. The emotion engine was PlayStation Two. The, that, that, the, that's right. Yeah. The cell was PS3, and basically the, the idea behind it is that there would be a cell chip in your washing machine or in your fridge, and your PlayStation Three could like connect to it and use its cores, <laughs> right? Obviously that never happened, but it's a crazy idea which 
I'm glad they did it because it's crazy and uh, awesome. It's just from a financial sense and from a coding your game sense, it did, did not make any well, sense. Well, that was the reason that they've gone to this whole PC ar- architecture style. They've got they've got an insanely powerful GPU and, yeah, they have, and lots of lots of uh, memory behind it. They have a, a whole system on the chip, which is a graphics card and processor on the same uh, same chip. Yeah. Which means that uh, the connection between the CPU and the GPU are very, very quick. Uh, and also, they went with x86 hardware, which is which um, makes sense. Which is basically all of the computers you use today. Well, like they looked at PC. Well, well, what they've looked at what was happening with with the Xbox, and they saw that that games were being uh, developed for for the Xbox. Um, lead because it was a lot easier it was to a lot easier and also they looked better in the end for. even though the PS3 was much more powerful than the Xbox the, it was, just, it was, it was harder a, yeah. to code for it yeah. so first party uh, you know, Playstation exclusives looked amazing especially compared to Xbox ones but you know games which are on both platforms usually look better on Xbox even though the Xbox is a much less powerful machine Xbox 360 that is and they said that they that they went to um, uh, the developers first um to it see what they wanted, they had a video about this, and uh, they were showing all the developers to say, "Oh, the PS3 will be, the PS4 will be amazing because they've asked us stuff, and we said we want this." And they said, "Okay, sure, we can put that in." So it's good that they learned from the past experience that the PlayStation 3 was such a hard machine to code for, and they asked, "How can we make our machine easy to code for?" And that's what they came up with. So I'm hopeful. Now, am I right in thinking that that this is the first PlayStation? to be not exclusively um, developed in Japan this I, is more of a western I'm not sure but it, it, was, it definitely felt like a, a more US based US based yeah. uh, I mean the, the, I don't know who designed the PS3 I think it was Ken Kutaragi I don't know if he was, it was I don't know if he was actually the designer of the Playstation but he was definitely the, the chief of the the father of the Playstation is it yeah. Uh, but Mark Cerny is obviously he's, he's he's British, I think. He's yeah. from Manchester. But it seems that 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 they've moved away because um they've apparently been working on this as soon as the PlayStation Three was released. Yeah. Well, you need to do to to do these things long yeah. term. So. So yeah, I, I think it, it looks really promising, and they showed a bunch of videos, a bunch of footage from games. They showed a Killzone trailer, which they always show a Killzone trailer, and it always looks. It looks amazing. It doesn't look like a game I would want to play. Well, they're not going to show a game that doesn't look amazing yeah. at the press conference, will they? <laughs> and and they showed this uh, tech demo from um, from Capcom called Deep Down. That was really impressive. It, it just looked like a like not even like a CGI movie. It looked like a good CGI movie. Like yeah, just everything just looked fantastic. And they showed a bunch of tech demos. They showed a man's face. Which looked incredibly photorealistic. It was quite. It was really impressive. I was. I was in general. I was really impressed, uh, considering how I don't like the PS3 much. It was. Uh, it definitely. They made a good show. But it's all going to come down to what the games will be like. Yeah, yeah that, definitely. That, that that will be it. Um, we'll see. I, I guess we can't really, you know, give a judgment compared to the the, the new Xbox or whatever it will be called. Uh, but it would be definitely an interesting battle. But what I found most interesting is that when they announced the PS4, all the newspapers and like Reuters and stuff like, the next generation of consoles is here. <laughs> you know, everyone forgetting that the Wii U has been out for about two, three months, right? <laughs> uh, but of course, <laughs> everyone forgot about the Wii U. Well, but the Wii U is not, it's as much of a next gen console as the Wii was, which is not very much. But at least the Wii had different controls, right? So it's not new. Yeah, it isn't just a kind of modification to the Wii. Well, it, it's it's just it's it's a console which apparently is slightly more powerful than the current consoles, but the Xbox have been around for seven years. Seven years. I mean, you, I, I don't think Nintendo will. I think Nintendo will. This might be the last console they ever do. Cause you think could, they're gonna go that way? The, the same sales, way as Sega. The sales have been terrible. Uh, everyone's excited about the new Xbox and the new and the new PlayStation, but no one cares about the Wii U. The, the DS is incredibly popular. Well, the, the, not well, the 3D, well, it was until not the mobile 3DS, phones. Uh, not the 3DS. The 3DS is not selling that well. So it so might. Nintendo went from a, a situation of you know four or five years ago where they were one of the uh, you know highest the rated companies uh, in the world. They were worth I don't know how many billions of dollars, and now they're just gonna probably gonna die because you can't make a console and it's not highly successful and survive, at least not in the same form. Failure in the hardware market is costly. Yeah. 
So we'll see. Uh, let's, let's, we already talked about it for ten minutes. Uh, we like video games. Uh, I'm really interested. I, I'm, I'm actually. I was a bit um, unsure if I was going to buy, if I was going to buy a next gen console. But now, if the price is reasonable, I'm actually thinking about getting one uh, soon after they came out. Anyway, no more um, PS4 talk for a while then. Uh, yeah. So no more PS4 talk for a while. We'll talk about something Promise. else next week. Oops. All right. So. Um, I think uh, we are running on 50 minutes uh, I think that's probably enough for this week unless you want to talk about the Pirate Bay for a little while Salman you want to say anything about piracy is um, piracy bad well yeah of course piracy is bad but um, uh, I started watching the Pirate Bay movie which is freely available everywhere online being in the spirit of a Private Bay of course it's on YouTube right yeah but um, uh, to be honest I can't talk about it much because I just couldn't um follow it I, 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 I got too bored uh, and, and, and it was in Swedish e- even though it had subtitles what do you have against Scandinavians? nothing particular with Scandinavians <laughs> but, um, uh, it was just following them and, and they were trying to defend their lawsuits and it wasn't my cup of tea so, yeah, so. Well, maybe, maybe I'll try to watch over next week and I can talk a bit more about it and the last news story of, of, the, of the, this week is that talking about piracy uh, file sharing well music file sharing has gone down there was a some group in the USA I think the industry group uh, who did a survey of several thousand people uh, compared to 2011 and 2012 much less uh, music file sharing because there are legitimate streaming music services like Pandora Spotify. or Spotify uh, which you know who knew if you provided the customers with an easy way to access files at a reasonable price people are going to use it uh, so yeah another thing um, uh, they, they've looked at the other demographics that, um, uh, that actually buy music online and, and, it's, and it's a lot of the same people that also download music as well so um, yeah but generally people who pirate stuff uh, they, they tend to buy more stuff yeah. as well because they're much greater consumers of content Alright, so I think that will that will do it for this week. Uh, once again, uh, our website is pycube.co.uk That's P-I-E-C-U-B-E D dot C-O dot UK uh, You should follow us on Twitter, you should like it on Facebook because it's awesome and you should uh, watch our videos. We're going to have a new video up tomorrow, it's Thursday 28th and the Pope is uh, stepping down tomorrow. Uh, and uh, yeah, so please give us feedback uh, if you want. If you want us to send a, a question, uh, probably Facebook is the best way to do it, uh, and we're going to read it on uh, on the end next week. So thank you very much. Thank you, Salman, for thank being you. here once again, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.